The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, you know what to do by now. Go to VeritasRadio.com and give yourself the gift of truth. Subscribe today. And don't forget to explore Sanitas Radio also. Go there, sanitasradio.com. It's your life. Take control. And tonight we have a deep discussion. I've received a lot of requests for UFO shows, so this summer we have quite a few for you, and this is one of them. We try to explore the question, how do UFOs and aliens fit into the world that we know right now on Veritas. And tonight we have a veteran of this show back again. I don't need to read his bio. You all know him. And if you do need his bio, you can go to our website. We have his extensive bio right there. We've done a few shows in the past. One of them was a video that we conducted a, a year or two ago. But it's always a pleasure to have one of my favorite researchers in the world, directly from Canada, although he is in Portland, Oregon, getting ready for a presentation that he has in the next couple of days. I'm delighted to welcome my friend, Grant Cameron, back to Veritas. Hello, Grant, and welcome back. Well, thank you, Mel. Thanks for uh, spending some time with me and uh, showing some interest in what I'm doing. I really appreciate being on the show. Always, always a pleasure. And I have to ask you right from the get-go regarding this book that uh, I just finished reading last night. Alien Bedtime Stories. Why the title? Uh, the title came from the first book that I did. Well, the second book I did was UFOs, uh, Area 51 and Government Informants. And what happened was all my friends and relatives all felt sorry for me and bought the book. And then I got these comments like, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to read the book, but, you know, I'm reading three pages a day. And, um, you know, I'm getting there, but I, I sometimes forget what I read the night before. Because it's kind of a long sort of uh, story. You got to know who all the characters are when you get into the, you know, the Avery and all this kind of stuff. And and so I figured, well, maybe what I'd do is I'd write a book for just ordinary people where I would just uh, do three, four page stories on various things. And so people can, like my friends and relatives, can sort of read uh, three pages a night and get through the story. And they don't have to try to remember the next day what they uh, were reading. 
And it sort of backfired in terms of uh, the title in that uh, most people, even Amazon.com, thought it was um, a children's books. I thought that too. Yeah. And so the the, the uh, notion was to, to republish it, just to change the title. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do yet, but it's basically um, a series of articles that uh, what I would find when I was doing research is that I would write an article, I would, I would sort of make a discovery, I'd write an article, and I would uh, put it out, and really nobody would read it. And I'm going, wow, I spent all this time researching, this is very important stuff, and really nobody would read the story. And uh, so what I decided was I would take all the stories that I'd done like that over the years that really lot, lots of people hadn't read, and sort of put them all in one book, and it sort of sort of killed two birds with one stone with this uh, this idea of doing short stories. And uh, so it, it's out there now, and I'm actually um, on to the third book, or, well, third and fourth book. So um, it's there, and it has a lot of interesting stories in terms of uh, um, a couple of topics that really aren't discussed too much, like uh, the idea of um, uh, telepathic contactees and the, the kind of downloads they get and stuff like that. Because that basically is where I've sort of gone now, is I spend um, almost all my time dealing with experiencer stories. I had spent most of my career, I'd say 37 years of my career, working on the the nuts and bolts aspects. Um, you know, the sightings, and that went to, you know, chasing the Canadian government, chasing the former president of Penn State University, Dr. Eric Walker, chasing the... Uh, President of the United States and other high-ranking officials and chasing the CIA and their top scientists and to try to find out what was it that I had seen in 1975. And when I was in um, Phoenix, Arizona, and you were probably there at UFO Congress of 2012, uh, I had been attending a lecture uh, that was given on by Colin Andrews, the famous crop circle researcher. And the only reason I went in the room was that I wanted to uh, pay him respect. I really wasn't interested in crop circles, really wasn't interested in what he was going to say. And I think what had happened is I was there and I was sort of in a sort of like an altered state. I wasn't really paying attention. And I got this download. And this was actually the same day that a guest you've had on, uh, Chris Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. Chris Bledsoe, the famous contactee from North Carolina. Uh, the day I had the download is February 26, 2012, was exactly the same day that Chris Blesso had his first encounter with what he called the Shining Lady. So I have this, what I call a download experience, in which um, a bunch of stuff goes into my head instantaneously. Um, I'm sort of blown away by this. And it's very similar to other uh, download experiences. For example, if you compare it to Edgar Mitchell's download experience, when he was coming back on uh, the Apollo uh, mission. He's coming to the earth and he suddenly talks about this uh, download experience that he gets where he suddenly realizes everything in the universe is connected, everything is one and he described it as um, he was more certain of the fact that what he was being shown was true than any equation he had ever um, calculated and that's what happened to me and this is hard to explain to people, the same as it's hard to explain to people when they say well what did you see in terms of UFOs what it looked like and stuff it's very hard to explain to somebody what, what the UFO looked like, what it was doing, this sort of thing. And it's the same with the download experience where I tell people the most important part of the download experience to me was the fact that it came with absolute certainty. There was they basically uh, put into my mind, you don't have to check this, you don't have to uh, you know, calculate, you don't have to do anything. This is absolute truth. That came to me very, uh, very clearly that, that this was true. 
And it came with a great deal of excitement where I suddenly uh, realized that I had sort of um, been on the wrong road for 37 years. And that's when I sort of made this shift going from nuts and bolts to uh, what Jerry Pippen used to call the woo-woo side. And I just made this shift. And so in this book, uh, Alien Bedtime Stories, I tell a couple of these stories, uh, getting into the consciousness aspect, which I, I do now, and uh, downloads and what I think is very, very important material. And that isn't really, I guess I'm one of the few people that's working on it, but I don't think people realize the importance of the number of people, the number of people in the UFO community who are experiencers who have had these download experiences. And I think, have you had um, Ray Hernandez on? I haven't had him on, but I did speak with them for hours a few month, a few weeks ago, yeah. and his story is a, an incredible story, too. Yeah, and his story ties into mine as well. In fact, his first encounter where he tell, talks about his dog getting healed, that happened about a week after my download experience. That happened, uh, yeah, but it was about a week, maybe less than a week. And um, so these things all sort of tie in, and he is, of course, the or the guy that started to organize the free organization, the Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Encounters. And Edgar Mitchell is on the board of directors there and Rudy Shield from uh, Harvard University. And in their recent survey that they did of experiencers, I think the last count I saw was 1,115 or something, uh, experiencers had filled out this survey where they're trying to uh, ask questions of experiencers, trying to find common elements. And the one that interested me um, was the one with downloads. It's question number 54 on their their survey. And Ray has been nice enough to say to me that I could interview people um, in the survey who are reporting downloads. And as you remember, um, the Roper poll in 1991 that was financed by Bob Bigelow showed that 2% of the, the American people conservatively are exhibiting characteristics of being experiencers. And that would uh, equate to about six and a half million people in America that are could possibly be UFO experiences. We've had abduction experiences, this sort of thing. What this free survey showed was that 43%, and this goes through all the different, uh, as the numbers were going up, I was watching the number, it's almost always the same. It's 43% of the people in that survey who are claiming to be experiencers are answering question number 54, which basically says, have you, and these are people not that have been regressed, these are people that just remember being on the ship or having this encounter, have you ever uh, found that you have scientific material or mathematical material that's in your head that you did not learn through any other means, through going to school or anything like that? And that's basically the download experience, that there are 43% of experiencers who are saying, yes, they've got downloads of scientific material, of uh, mathematical material, and this equates to, I think, about 2.7 million people in America that are potentially walking around where aliens are putting material in their heads. And I think this is extremely significant stuff. And that's what I spend most of my time. And in the book, I talk a little bit about this. I start to get into the um, the consciousness aspect. But that's sort of a whole new book that that's, it's finished. Uh, it has to go through the editing process yet. But it's a book on strictly... Uh, um, downloads and inspirations. And I go into the whole idea of where do good ideas come from? Where do Nobel Prizes come from? Where do uh, some of the, the biggest, most popular songs come from? Where do some of the biggest, most popular books come from? And what you find out is that people are claiming the same sort of thing 
uh, as the UFO experiences that this download phenomena is is occurring. I wish we could be asking Tesla if he were alive today. But you know, speaking of a free. Um, Whitley Strieber, along with, with other great researchers, I, I, am, I am one of the interviewers, too. I didn't know that we could actually pick perhaps a question because I would love to interview people based on the downloads. Because like you, I am getting away from the nuts and bolts as well. I think I'm done with that. I want to learn from the experiences. I want to know what they've learned, what their mission here is. I have said it before. I've had encounters that I cannot... I'd say they're they're aliens, but I've you know people who have listened to the show for a long time know of my story of how things that I didn't know happened. And this very show, I had a dream, and it was put into action the next day by my interview with Milton Torres. I've yeah. never in my life interviewed anybody in my life. I'm not a journalist. I've never had any broadcasting experience. And then with that dream, the next day. Veritas went into motion and it's been, you know, eight and some, you know, some years by now. I've interviewed you a few times by now and I've always surprised ever since I think it was 2009, I went to a conference in Rio Rico and there was Stephen, Dr. Stephen Greer, but it was Colleen Andrews who told me, Mel, what changed for me was consciousness. It's not only crop circle, it's consciousness. And boom, not even a few months later, you and I are talking and you mentioned the same word, consciousness. And I don't know why, but this snowball is changing. The field is changing now to consciousness. Why do you think that is, Grant? Um, I do a lecture on uh, what I call the alien pattern. And what I think is that the, the mistake we make in, in life is that we assume we, we've sort of been taught, you know, this uh, random theory of evolution uh, we're biological robots, we're, uh, everything's random, it's chance. And so we sort of drag all this nonsense into our thinking in ufology. And we sort of think that uh, things are random, that when you see a UFO, well, you just happen to be in the right place at the right time or the wrong place in the wrong time, whatever the situation is. The lecture I do on pattern is I say, basically, when you come right down to it, there is really nothing random. This is You're watching a pattern take place. You are watching... Uh, aliens, uh, for example, 1894, 1895, 86, 87, in that period, uh, the ships were flying around. They were called the, the airships, and they were wooden ships with propellers and uh, people hanging off ropes and stuff like that. If you go to uh, World War II, you have the Foo Fighters. You don't have any flying sausage yet. You have the Foo Fighters, and the Foo Fighters go away, and I say, well, what happened to the Foo Fighters? I mean, when was the last time we had a Foo Fighters? Right. And uh, there was none, 1945. And then suddenly uh, we detonate the atomic bomb, and then suddenly, boom, all these uh, flying saucers appear. And then from uh, the, the late 40s, we have the green fireball sightings. So we have these green fireballs that are flying around all the military establishments and all the nuclear uh, places where they develop the weapons and the nuclear power plants. And then when was the last time we had a green fireball sighting? I mean, it doesn't happen. It just basically went away. And then we don't have from 1947 till 1952. I don't, you know, some people will sort of dispute this with me, but I say basically nobody talked to an alien between 1947 and 1952. Uh, a couple of days after we detonate the hydrogen bomb, suddenly Adamski and Williamson come forward and say we're talking to aliens, and they say stop the nuclear weapons. So it only started people started talking to aliens in 1952, 
the the abduction experience, people will sort of think, wow, this has always been going on. And I say it may have been going on, but people have only been aware of it since Betty and Barney Hill in 1961. It was like they turned on Betty and Barney Hill. Then they turned on, you know, this person, that person. And you see a number of events where you see uh, clearly that we are basically watching the aliens uh, turn the pages of a book. And one of the, the key examples that I use in my lecture is the one with the Allagash, the four guys from the Allagash. And uh, this happened a year after I had my sighting. This is 1976. My sighting was in 75. The four guys from the Allagash, this is before missing time uh, existed. Uh, uh, Bud Hopkins didn't write that book till 1980s. Nobody knew about missing time in the 1970s with regards to uh, UFO abductions. So these four guys on the Allagash thought they had outrun this UFO. The UFO had come. They had mad, madly paddled away on their on their canoe. They got to the shore. They see the the, the this four hour fire had had gone down to nothing, and they thought it was kind of strange. But nobody really put to the fact that they had been abducted. It was exactly eleven years later that two of them start having dreams. And I say, well, what's the chances that exactly two years later, some of these both these guys start having bad dreams? The one guy gets checked into a hospital and he's in the hospital and they're doing tests to find out why he can't sleep at night. And so he's 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 upset. He says to the nurse, he says, I need something to read. I'm bored. Go down to get me something to read. She goes down to the bookstore on the main floor of the hospital and she brings him what? Communion. What possible book? And of course, he absolutely <laughs> flips out when he yeah. sees the book Communion and they, they actually basically have to restrain him. He just absolutely loses it. And then they bring in a psychiatrist to find out why this guy flipped out. And the guy happens to be an associate of John Mack. So what's the chances of that? What's the chances of them bringing up the book Communion into his room? And then it just happens that the guy who writes the book, his name is escaping me right at the moment, but the guy who writes the book and does the investigation just happens to be coming through town a couple of weeks later. Ridley Strieber, you mean? Uh, no, this is um, the guy who wrote the book on the Allagash. Oh, okay. Uh, and and he turns out he's an experiencer as well, and he just happens to be coming through town the, the next week, and he's interested in contactees who are twins, and two of these guys happen to be twins. So you look at this incident, and it's like coincidence, coincidence, coincidence. It's just beyond beyond any uh, uh, chance that this is happening by pattern. Um, and so anyway, you have this incident, and then you have a lot of stuff that people don't really realize. For example... Uh, when you take a look at the Betty and Barney Hill case, you have uh, Barney Hill has got the binoculars and he's looking at the craft and he's saying, they're looking out the windows, they're looking at me, I can, they can see me, they're looking out the windows. Doesn't happen anymore. I hear what anybody says. Though that happened in the 50s, 60s, 70s, sometimes in the 80s, doesn't happen anymore. There are no people reporting or very few people reporting UFOs with windows and aliens looking out the window. But it happened a lot back then. Same as, as trace cases. You know, Stanton will always talk about the 4,000 trace cases. A lot of people talk about the 4,000 trace cases. I talked to uh, um, uh, Ted Phillips. This is going back almost 10 years. I said, Ted, I have the impression that trace cases don't happen anymore. Is that true? He said, yeah, that's basically true. It really doesn't happen anymore. It's like now we get we get crop circles, We and even crop circles are dying out. Uh, these landing traces don't happen. The same as little aliens that are walking around the craft. These, these stories happen in the 50s, 60s, 70s. You have little aliens walking around with little rods, and they're picking up rocks and, and stuff and plants. doesn't happen anymore. Uh, you have uh, the, the, the cattle mutilation started in 1967. 1975, when I started, was the peak year for cattle mutilations. Cattle mutilations, there's the odd one, but basically that has gone by the wayside as well. 
And so that's what I say is when you start looking at it, you see these different patterns where one thing comes and then do another thing. And so I say, well, where are the green, where are the green fireballs? Well, they're on another planet. That's a planet that's a hundred years behind us. And they sent the, the Foo Fighters and then they send in the green fireball guys and then they'll send in the contactee guys. And it's almost like they've done this a thousand times on a thousand different planets and they know exactly. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.